Hello, everyone. Happy Wednesday. We have a jam-packed episode today of the Locked on Penguins podcast. Going to go over the Florida game a little bit and why it's really not that bad of a setback. I know the game happened, you know, honestly, if it finished right around this time last night. Still going to go over a few parts that I'm not going to do a full, full game uh, recap, excuse me, but, you know, we're still going to go over some key points. Uh, You know, the trade stuff is buzzing today. We're going to get into all those Vancouver talks because I know those have been making the rounds on social media. And you know, we're also going to potentially do a little preview for uh, Friday night's game against the Vegas Golden Knights. That's all coming up right after the shop. You're locked on Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. I'm fresh off my wonderful Virginia Tech Hokies getting that <clears throat> massive win against Clemson in the ACC tournament. Uh, that was a sweat fest with about five minutes left. They Clemson forced overtime, looked like it was not going to go VT's way. And then Virginia Tech gets that buzzer beater and sends PJ Hall and the Tigers back. You know, I always love beating Clemson, no matter what sport it is. Um, I just I'll never stand their athletic programs, <laughs> you know, AC rivalries to say the least. Um, anyways, of course, this is a Penguins podcast. So Pittsburgh drops a game to Florida four to three on Tuesday night. And honestly, I really wasn't that mad about it, other than the final 90 seconds. And I guess I'm gonna start with that, you know. Obviously, I think this was a really good effort by Pittsburgh. They led in shot attempts, scoring chances for, high danger chances for, and they also led in expected goals. Pretty good. You know, it was just that Tristan Jari had a little bit of an off night, and Sergei Bobrovsky was pretty good, um, I should say. You know, better than how he usually plays, excuse me, against the Penguins. But with about 90 seconds left, Sidney Crosby ties up the game about 35 seconds prior. (laughs) uh, Not ties up, excuse me. Makes it a one-goal game 35 seconds prior, 4-3. Penguins have the puck in the offensive zone. They're playing from the point a little bit. But as Chris Letang is going over to his left, he does a drop pass, which then gives Florida an easy clear because Malkin's not ready for it. And then again, they come back into the zone and Letang makes another bad read. And, you know, I just think with how the Penguins are going right now, and, you know, I know the top line's buzzing. I know Evgeny Malkin is buzzing. You know, in those situations, Sometimes less is more. You got to get back to the basics with a six on five. I know the Penguins are usually not that great of a six on five team when they're down one. I I honestly can't even remember the last time this season that they tied a game six on five, one goal game. I I, I don't, I, like I said, I, I literally cannot remember the last time. Do they even have that one this year? You know, when I was, you know, doing a little bit of research before this, you know, again, I just, I really could not find one. And I think a big of that, some of those problems are they're just being too cute at the blue line and they're not firing the puck to the net. You know, I'm never, I'm not going to be one of those fans or people that cover the team that says, shoot it as, you know, some of the fans do at PPG Paints Arena or, you know, honestly at every NHL arena. But I think in those situations when, you know, you have established zone time and, you know, you're working up to the point Fire it on net where you have 
an, an, an extra body there willing to do the, the dirty work in a high danger chant in high danger zone, excuse me. It's just, it's baffling that Tanger was, you know, resorting to these really bad, like just drop passes when, you know, I don't mind if it's on a power play and the game was tied, maybe you're up one or something like, heck, you're up two. But when you're down one and the stakes are at the, you know, the highest point of the game and you're doing that, I mean, that's just, that's not going to work. And I thought that was honestly the cherry on top for a really poor performance from Chris. Um, you know, for those that have been listening to this podcast for a long time, you all know that I am one of the biggest Christmas Tang fans out there. You know, I, I would hope that most of the fan base is as well. I know how great he is. He's the best franchise defenseman in this in this franchise's history, has almost every record among defensemen um for this franchise. But you know, he can't play the way he did last night moving forward. I know that's been the outlier this year compared to the norm. I am sure he's going to bounce back in a big way on Friday, but the Penguins need more out of him than that. Um, you know, and honestly, before that stretch at the end of the game, he was just, he seemed off with his passes. Um, he also missed two to three wide open nets that he hits nine other times. There were two times specifically, I remember, um, this was a one goal game. <clears throat> I believe it was in the second period. And Chris Tang gets the puck at the left circle and just fi- and he fires it right into Bobrovsky as he's sliding over when he has at least a half of the net open, if not three quarters of it. And it's like, man, if you give that to him nine more times, he hits them every single time. It, it, it honestly just, it was baffling that he missed both of them. I believe the other one kind of rolled on him. And, you know, that's just, that was Tanger's kind of luck for that game. You know, when the puck is not going in the net as he was, what happened with those two. And, you know, he's making bad reads of the blue line and defensively, he's not all the way there as well, especially with, I believe it was Sam Reinhardt's goal where he went one on three and the Penguins defense was really soft in that situation. You just, you can't allow a player to, you know, get in that close when you have three guys around him. Um, Just a, not a really good performance from Chris. And again, I am sure he is going to be fine moving forward, but for as much as I praise him, I have to, you know, give some negative feedback when he's back. You know, I, I have to keep it real here. Um, you know, as some of the kids say, I guess on the podcast. So that was definitely, you know, a couple of things that stuck, stood out to me from that game. Um, but again, you know, also, man, Florida is just ridiculously good. And believe me, I know how good the Penguins are. You know, they're one of the five to seven best teams in the league this year, in my humble opinion. But the way Florida comes at you in waves is something that I think I've never seen before. Um, they're so deep. They're so, they're, they have played with a great structure. Their forecheck is ferocious. Defensively, I was really noticing how they, they're, they're, they're deep, their defensemen, they play really close together, which is a bit weird because normally all the teams, you know, you, you have one defenseman on one side. The, on the other on the other side. But in Florida, you know, it was kind of like how they would always, you know, collapse the middle a lot more than normal. There was a couple other times where the Penguins were coming in on either the left or right side, and both defensemen were over there, you know, leaving the other side of the ice exposed. But, you know, they were – it was just – it was definitely pretty aggressive and something that I don't think I've seen a lot this year, and I, I definitely don't think Mike Sullivan has seen a lot this year. You know, this is definitely a team – that's going to cause a lot of other teams fits in the playoffs. I think they can beat Tampa Bay. I think they can beat Toronto. I honestly think they can beat any team in this conference. They are that good. 
They are that deep. They've gotten the goaltending. Aaron Ekblad is fully healthy. We saw he had the goal last night. He is such a difference maker when he plays. Um, you know, that said, I still thought the Penguins played them pretty tough. Um, it was just that those those opening 20 minutes really doomed them. Um, you know, it was, it was kind of weird because Florida just kept attacking and attacking. And I'm like, Pittsburgh, you do realize this team played last night, right? It was just, it was a little weird because you know, the Penguins were the team on their on their heels and they hadn't played in a few days yet. You know, Florida played last night and you would expect, expect them to be gassed a little bit, but you know, they just, they came out firing and, you know, I know the Penguins had a nice bounce back in the second period where they had about 77% of the shot attempts and the scoring chances third period. I thought they mostly played pretty good. Um, but you know, just, you can't fall asleep for the first 20 minutes. You know, that's just, that's going to do you. And I know the Penguins were able to tie it two goals in nine seconds. It's, I think that's the fastest, um, two goal stretch of, of the season for the team. Just very impressive. Of course, I'll get to that in just a second, but you know, overall, this is a loss that I can live with. Um, you know, you played them on mostly even terms, um, for, you know, three quarters of the game, I should say. And sometimes the, the, the game doesn't go your way. You know, you're tired for second place right now. You're still in really good shape. You're 18 points up on the Columbus Blue Jackets. They only have 25 games left. Um, you know, with where the Penguins are right now, again, I'm going to have to take a monumental collapse for them to fall out of the playoffs. Um, you know, I also mean, I'm also going to get to this after the commercial break as well, how the Penguins are, for some reason, not good at home this year. Alan T. Yoder actually um, pointed this out to me on the Locked on Penguins Twitter account. So thank you for doing that. I do have a stat to share um, with you all for that too. Um, but you know, I'm still fine with the performance that this, that was the fifth game in this nine game brutal stretch for the Penguins. They're three and one in one. Yes. I'm including Columbus because they've actually been pretty hot lately, <clears throat> but you know, they've gotten points in four of those five games, seven out of a possible 10 points against some of the best teams in the league. I, I would say the Penguins have been doing a very solid job in the stretch. They have Carolina, uh, Vegas coming up and then they also have. St. Louis and Nashville on the road. But coming up in the next segment, we're going to get to um, just, you know, maybe some of the reasons why the Penguins have struggled um, at home this year. Um, we're also going to get to the two goals in nine seconds, what I really liked about that, and, you know, a couple other things from the game as well. But before we get to that, if I can load this up here real quick, um, this is the time of year that I've pretty much given up on all of my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right Thanks to you, Bill Barr. Almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you tried the Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Bill Barr's best tasting bars. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors. Yummy, cinnamon, churro, coconut, marshmallow, banana cream pie. They are all so good. All Bill Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, Puffs are included. They are low calorie and high protein. You can replace your candy bars with these as well. You can go to built.com and scroll down to the macros chart. You'll be blown away. High protein, low calorie, high fiber, and low carb as well. Um, some of the best flavors, of course, mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. Now, there is still an offer. You can go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. <clears throat> so, Alan, I want to shout out you for bringing this point up uh, uh, to my Twitter account, the, the show's Twitter account. I was able to do a little bit of digging. The Penguins have lost seven of their last nine games at PPG Paints Arena, two and four and three. 
So they've gotten points in five of their last nine games at home, but they still have four regulation losses. And it is weird because normally under Mike Sullivan, this is one of the best teams at home every single year. I remember, I believe they set a franchise record for the best home winning percentage um, just a few years ago. I, I want to say they were 32 and six in three. I think if that sounds right, it, it, it's very close um, to that. Um, or it might've been 31 and six and four. Um, I, I, it was right around there this year. It's been anything but that they've struggled really bad at home, but they've been the best road team in the NHL. They have all the metrics for teams on the road that the Penguins are number one for every single one goals against goals for wins, you know, all of them. Um, and I I've been trying to come up with reasons as to why the team is not as good at home. And, I honestly don't really know. I mean, the, the crowds have been pretty lively. I know, Alan, you were talking to me on the Twitter account how you were saying that, you know, you, you have season tickets and the crowds have been really good. I mean, I've been watching all the games at home personally. It, it seems like the crowds are fired up this year. You know, there's 100% attendance now, you know, with COVID, not nearly as bad as it was a couple of months ago. But, I mean, for whatever reason, they're, they're not starting out games the same way they do on the road and, and they do at home. And I just, I don't know if it's a lack of effort thing, lack of attention to details. Um, I, I don't know. You know, they're spooked of PVG Paint Serena. Is there like a ghost in the building? I, I really don't. Um, I, there's, I don't think there's a specific reason for it, um, but it's something they have to correct. And, you know, this is also, you know, I, I love when, when the Penguins get home ice because usually they are so good at home. But it's last couple of years, they've also not been as good at home in the playoffs too. So I don't know if that's carrying over to the regular season this year. But it's definitely something that I am going to keep an eye on um, for the rest of this home stretch here and, you know, the home games, you know, the rest of March and all of April um, as well. Now, switching gears a little bit. So Penguins, they were able to tie the game for a brief point against Florida. Two goals in nine seconds. Brian Russ gets the first one. I thought it was Zach Aston Reese coming out of the gulag, but it was um, one of Florida's players directed at pass. Um, Bobrovsky. And you know, that's another goal for Russ this year. His price tag continues to increase. And then, you know, again, just a few seconds later, Jake Gensel gets another um, goal. He always terrorizes Sergei Bobrovsky. And it, it looked like for a time, you know, the old Bobrovsky was coming out. I didn't really like that goal that he gave up. Um, and it's just the, the Penguins quick strike offense is so good. I mean, this is, this is why, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> that they are never out of a game this year. It's just because, you know, when the top line is buzzing like they have been all year and, you know, it's just good stuff is going to happen. And they had so many quality chances before those two went in. And it was only a matter of time before the dam was going to break a little bit. But, you know, I also will say this again. The Penguins are never out of the game. They showed that last night. I know Florida was able to take the 3-2 lead off of an Anthony Duclair goal. It looked like at first it was maybe goaltender interference, but, um, you know, Jari, Tristan was able to play his position after, you know, the Florida player was out of his crease. So that was not goalie interference at all. Um, but, you know, again, I liked the pushback in the third. It was just, you know, Bob was making some good saves and, you know, Florida was also playing really well defensively. Um, but, you know, again, I really liked how the Penguins can just, you know, snap out of it, snap out of a little funk with just a snap of a finger and just come back from a two goal deficit like it's honestly nothing. Um, but real two really nice goals there. Cindy Crosby's goal at the end of the game. Um, another little vintage Sid goal. Um, he's playing some amazing hockey uh, right now as well. And, you know, I, I will say this before we get to our next segment, you know, 
if this game didn't show that the Penguins need more secondary scoring, then I truly don't know what will. You know, I was I was reading Josh Yoey's article this morning from the Athletic. I'm going to pull these stats up for you all um, right here because it, it is pretty damning just how bad the Penguins' issues are um, with secondary scoring. Here it is. Ed Rodriguez, since his hot start, one goal in his last 25 games. Kasper Kampanen, one goal in his last 24 games. Who knows if he's going to be on the team after the trade deadline. Danton Heinen, he's been pretty good, but three goals in his last 22 games. Brock McGinn, good signing, and I think he's better than Brandon Tanev, two goals in his past 23 games. Dominic Simone, three goals in 52 games a season. Zach Aston Reese, one goal in 50 games. Those Five of those players have been in the bottom six for most of the year. That's unacceptable. You know, this was a strength of the team in the first half of the season. They've actually, they were outscoring teams, you know, when Crosby and Malkin were both off of the ice, honestly, the last couple of years. But, you know, this year, especially after that hot start, it's just the depth scoring is dried up. And for a team that is only relying on one and a half lines right now, heck, only basically two, that can't happen. You know, Jeff Carter, his play, I think, has also regressed a little bit these last couple of weeks. And, you know, this just, I'm pleading Ron Hextall to go out and make a move for another forward. You know, this, I know Jason Zucker's return is going to help. It, it's going to be massive, but just because of his forechecking ability, he can score. Hopefully, you know, he's not, his shooting percentage luck actually improves, but you can't have six players with that little production throughout the last, you know, six to eight weeks. Um, also, according to Josh last night, those six players combined for just four shots on net. It's unacceptable. I'm sorry. You know, the, the, the Penguins cannot win games when their depth is that bad. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say it's 2014 level when Zach Sill and Maxime Lapierre and, Marcel Gotch before he got traded and, you know, Tanner Glass were on the ice, but you know, this is still pretty bad. And it's something that needs to fix if the Penguins want to win games down the stretch and especially, and especially win in the playoffs and hopefully make a deep run. So I will end here with that coming up in the next segment, we're going to go around the trade carousel a little bit. There was a whole bunch of rumors that popped up today out of Vancouver. So stick with that coming up here in this next segment. All right, I'm back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. So, you know, a lot of rumors, as I just said a couple minutes ago, swirling out of Vancouver. Um, there was a couple Vancouver, you know, sports talk radio hosts today um, that, you know, obviously Derek Clancy was at the Penguins game last night. Um, he thinks they're looking at John Marino and Evan Rodriguez. And he says, you know, something could be cooking there with regards to a Brock Besser package. So if the trade were to be Brock Besser for John Marino, Evan Rodriguez, you know, it, it sounds good in theory, right? But the, the couple questions I do have, A, are you going to accept Brock Besser's 7.5 qualifying offer next year? Probably not with all the players they have to resign. B, if you trade John Marino who is going to be the player that steps up in a top four role with Marcus Pedersen? Is it Chad Ruedel? I think he's a fine player, but can he consistently play top four minutes? Personally, I don't think he can. Is it Mark Friedman? Again, 
I like Mark Friedman. He's actually been really good as the way the expected goals got, of course, as you know, we all call him on Penguins Twitter. But can he consistently play top four minutes? I personally don't think so. Now, are you going to move P.O. Joseph over to that side? Are you going to move Mike Matheson over to that side? No, because he's, you know, they both are left shots. And especially Matheson has been great on his regular side this year. He's getting closer to a return. I think he's going to come back before Jason Zucker is. He's already skating with the team in a non-contact capacity. So in that situation, you're going to have to go out and probably make another deal to get a top 4D. And honestly, the market for defensemen this year, I don't think is that good. I mean, Josh Manson is out there, but, you know, what, you're going to go out and get Ben Sherratt, give up a first-round pick for that guy? I mean, he has a 40% actual goals rate with, I believe, a 35% expected goals rate this year. I mean, I know he's on a really bad team, but I'm not giving up assets to get that guy. Um, that's for damn sure. I don't think Montreal is going to trade Jeff, P- Jeff Petrie. Um, that's for damn sure. I think that's going to be an offseason move, at least in my opinion. But, you know, I just, I don't think it's worth it to, you know, trade, I think, key components of the team for a player that has a $7.5 million qualifying offer. That's just my opinion, though. Let me know what your opinion is. You can tweet me uh, at Hunter Hodes, the show is called LO underscore Penguins. You know, DM me on either one, comment on the YouTube page. Of course, um, I just, I, I don't know. Um, Rodriguez, I would probably be fine with parting just because he's not been good lately. And I don't know if the team is going to resign him after this year, but I just, I, I'm a little, I'm a little hesitant to give up John Marino right now. I feel like that's a move that you make over the off season. You know, I'm all for selling high on him. I don't know how, you know, if he's going to be that much better than this moving forward, but I just don't think now is the time, at least in my opinion. Um, there's also rumors surrounding Connor Garland that the Penguins are looking at him. Um, you know, he would, I think, make a lot of sense. Uh, if I can find the tweet here. Um, yeah, I mean, Chris Johnson basically, is, I mean, he said there's interesting Garland, but he has term left, which makes it more difficult. Um, you know, I, I would love to go get Garland. I, I mean, I, I think he makes a lot of sense. You know, they're, they're, if you look at Jay Fresh's stuff, you know, his projected wins and rubble placement is 89%. Um, even strength offense, 76%ile, even strength defense, 72nd percentile. Um, really good finishing ability. He also makes less than Brock Besser. I believe it's about almost a million less. I think it's uh five contract here. Yeah. Five times five. So um definitely a lot of term left, but are the penguins really gonna go out and get someone with a lot of term left at the deadline? I'm just I'm not sure. I feel like if they are gonna go get someone. It's probably rental, which is why Besser might make more sense in that regard. But it's just like with his qualifying offer, and if you want to give up Marino and Rodriguez, um, I, I just don't know um, if, if if that is worth it. Um, at least in my opinion, you know. But you know, the Vancouver, you know, maybe they've been t- talking this all up. You know, guard the Garland contract matches up pretty closely with Marino's contract, which is true in theory. Marino makes four point four, Garland five, so six hundred k difference. I think the Penguins would be able to make that work, um, though they would probably have to, you know, that, I mean, kiss Brian Russ goodbye uh, for this foreseeable future. I would hope they would they would be able to get Latang and Malkin under contract in that one, but you know, we'll have to see. I, I'm gonna have to go on cap friendly and play around with this. I'm, I'm sure, um, you know, Jackson, who always DMs me, who listens to the show, uh, may, may send me a cap friendly lineup. I, I'm gonna have to do some more of that. Um, myself here as well. I also don't know if I would do Garland for Marino. Um, I, I don't know. So, something just, 
I, I guess I'm just really hesitant to give up on him this early because if he does blossom into a really good defenseman, um, I think that would kind of just, you know, make me a little upset to say the least. But, you know, trade season's in full force. We're almost a week and a half away now from the deadline. You know, it's just, you know, we're, we're, this is a hot topic. You know, we'll have to see if the Penguins do anything. You know, I, I was listening to the Jeff Merrick show today with him and Friedman, and he said that they can't really see Brian Burke and Ron Hextall sitting on their hands because of how competitive they are. So we'll see 12 days away right now from the trade deadline. I'm curious to see what happens with, with what they do. Penguins still have time though to make a move on their next game Friday against Las Vegas. I have a full game preview for that coming on Thursday's episode. And of course, you know, a couple other items to get to as well before I'll have a full game recap on Friday and then a preview of what's to come on Sunday. So that'll do it for this one. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. And I will be back with you all on Thursday.